The scripture reading this morning is found in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 through 25. Again the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. Old Testament pieces can be mysterious, can't they? Even scary. And I have to confess that as important as some of them are uh, to Adventist uh, sanctuary teachings and those kinds of things, others are a little more obscure. And I had intended this week and next week to talk about my story, but as it turns out, I want to be able to tell that story well. While you think that would be easy, uh, it's actually quite difficult to tell your own story well. So I'm putting that to November, and if it doesn't work out in November, it'll go to January. So uh, just kind of uh, know that that's in flux in the universe somewhere and uh, pray for me. (laughs) But this wonderful opportunity to talk about um, a a sacred time came up with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur coming up next weekend. You have 10 days known as high holy days, and the days between or intervening days known as days of awe. Now, I like this concept. I like how how it's evolved. I like where it's placed. Because just after Yom Kippur comes Sukkot, and then there are some other holy days too. So this becomes a very, very uh, important time in the Jewish calendar. It's the month of Tishri which is roughly September, October for us. And I think I wrote it in there. I'm going to get it wrong if I try to do it by memory. It is the year. Does anybody see it there in the, in the uh, bulletin, my comment? 5770. Wow. Now that goes back a ways, doesn't it? It's the year 5770. It's a little odd to think that way instead of 2009 or whatever calendar we're using. The focus of the passages that we've read today and others, and we're going to turn to one shortly, is the institution of a very special feast, initiation of a time of reflection. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time on that, the meaning of that now, and then we're going to come back to the texts that frame it. There are several overlays, and I am not an expert on Judaism by any stretch. I want to be very clear about that. And I am uh, just acquainting myself with these things as maybe you are. But what starts and frames this week, the content of the week, is characterized by the following. There are a few days in which work is prohibited, but for the most part, work is allowed. The day's reflections and liturgies change in temple. This period, especially the two weekends, the two Shabbat services, are very unique in the Jewish year. They're special Sabbaths. And then the liturgy for the morning and evening meetings in the synagogues is different as well. There's a focus that changes. 
And the, the, the attention has several overlays, and I'm going to try to uh, try to bring those out for you this morning. The first overlay is reflection. Yom Kippur is the day of judgment. Rosh Hashanah literally means head of the year or beginning of the year. So it goes back to the sort of stories we've read or studies we did in ancient religions. Do you recall that in Egyptology, for example, you have the God of the dead who weighs the heart of the person who's died against a feather? Do you remember? Oh, Osiris is weighing the heart of the dead against a feather. And if the feather is heavier than the heart, then the person is safe to save. But if the heart is heavier than the feather, then there is uh, judgment. These notions of book of living and book of dead go back even to Egyptian times. And then we have in our own scriptures references to books, don't we? God keeps books. Now, I don't know if they're really books. Parchment and quill. I don't know if he's updated to uh, IBM or gone beyond that to Macintosh. Sorry, I had to throw that out there for those of you techies. But in, in, I don't know where, where God stands with his bookkeeping processes. But we have recording angels, don't we? And we have references to a book of life in which we hope to find our names written. Is this unfamiliar? Okay. And, of course, we have books of judgment. We want to appear in the book of life. And in the Jewish tradition, this particular time of year, beginning of the year, God has written your name in one book or the other. Only the books involved are not the book of eternal life or the book of judgment. The books involved this time are who's going to die this year? Who's going to live this year? Who's going to prosper? Who's going to struggle financially? Who's going to suffer? Who's going to live free from suffering? Now, we don't have this sensibility in Christendom. We don't talk about these books in Adventism. But this is one of the overlays of reflection, you see, because once your name has been written in one of these things, you have one week to change the mind of God. So it becomes a time of intense reflection. According to the scripture, according to the Torah, reconciliation during this period is in sacrifice is only guaranteed between you and God. Reconciliation with your fellow man is up to you. And so it becomes a time of checking ourselves. Am I living, living in harmony with God and with my fellow men and women? Is there someone I've wronged or hurt that I need to change that story with, that I need to make amends with? Is there something I've taken I need to pay back? Is there something undone I need to do? Is there a broken relationship I need to try to mend? We have sort of shadows of this in our own new year, don't we? We set resolutions and we say we're going to do better. We reflect perhaps on where we've gone wrong the year before and make resolutions to set it aright in the year to come. 
That would be a very spiritual interpretation of American New Year. But many Christians engage it that way. For the Jew, it is a time of reconciliation with one another, the releasing of obligation and debt, the forgiving of things. It is a time of clearing the slate, so to speak, and having oneness with the community. It is a time for reflection on sins against God. It is now the time to repent. <laughs> I love that because if we think about so many of the Old Testament prophets' messages, what were they? They weren't, hey, you're doing a pretty good job. We're a little short on budget this year. Maybe you can help out a little more. Um, I, you know, treasure tells me uh, not everyone's paying tithe. Uh, some of you need to watch it morally. Uh, you know who you are. Um, does this sound like the prophetic message of old? It's repent. For the kingdom of God is near. Now that's the New Testament reading, but that's the essence and the kingdom of God in the Old Testament might come in the form of judgment and it might come in the form of redemption. Remember, Nineveh was judged and they repented. And what did God do? He repented. And he did not destroy Nineveh that day. He relented. God changed his mind. And is the Jewish faith understands this. They understand what it means to repent, to reflect. And so they do. This is a week of making right with God. And it's somber in that way. That's layer one. Then layer two is a theological sort of layer a theological sort of reflection. It's on God's sovereignty. God's mighty power. His action in the world. His capacities to save. His capacities to forgive. His capacities to create and bless and grow. It's about God's lordship and kingship and reign. It's about the glories of our great God. And those tend to be themes theologically that drive us not to moods of sourness or depression, not to the mood of mourning. These are themes that drive us to a spirit of praise and rejoicing. One of the practices of the time is to take apples and dip them in honey and eat. Now, if you think about what's actually available in nature, this is a remarkably sweet treat. We sugar up everything so much, I think we've lost track of what food really tastes like. But in a world in which refined foods didn't live, to take an apple and dip it in honey was to participate in the sweetness of God and life and his salvation because the Lord saves. So woven through this week to come is an opportunity, 
Oh yes, it's not American New Year, it's not January 1, but who doesn't need an opportunity for a fresh start? I always do. I'll take it. This week can be a week of reflection. It can be a week of making amends, of building bridges. It can be a week of reflection on my failings and his goodness, my weaknesses and his strengths, my sins and his grace. It can be a week in which I recognize and focus on the reign of God and the way in which that is to impact my daily life, my story, my being. Let's read of the institution of this event. We had it briefly in Leviticus. And I'm going to reference that. In my subheading, it says, Feast of Trumpets. Say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. So it's an initial day of trumpet blast. Now, we can talk about that briefly. For those of you who've uh, studied Jewish religion or have been to the Holy Land, you know about the shofar. The shofar is a curved ram's horn that acts as a trumpet. And you can play certain pitch intervals, uh, although not many, and typically the announcement from the shofar is differentiated in the length of the note and the number of notes. So a repeated pattern, for example, toot, 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 has a different meaning than a long blast and so forth. The shofar would be blown by the priest, and we see the shofar in the priestly work all through Leviticus. So the feast begins with the blowing of a trumpet, this shofar, this ram's horn. And it's commemorated with no regular work, but offerings presented to the Lord, that is to say, burnt offerings. Then what follows is a day of atonement. The Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do not work on that day because it is the day of atonement. And when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God, anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. I will destroy from among his people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for generations to come. Wherever you live, it is a day of Sabbath rest for you, and you must deny yourselves. From the evening of the ninth day until the following evening, you are to observe your Sabbath. Now that sounds not dissimilar in some respects from the weekly Sabbath. The weekly Sabbath has a work prohibition in it as well, doesn't it? The difference being is that the weekly Sabbath is a day of feasting. The day of atonement or judgment is a day of fasting. Now what is the... We'll, we'll talk about this more next week, certainly. But this is the framework. The beginning of the new year... Ten days and Day of Atonement. 
And after that, we find whether God has moved us from the book in which we're going to die this year to the book in which we'll die another year, from the book in which we'll suffer to the book in which we'll live in relative peace, the book in which we're going to be healthy to the book in which we're going to be sick and so forth, prosperous, poor, whatever the dichotomy you want to draw is. In this week, one of the layers I didn't mention was charity. It was the practice and is the practice of Jews to this day to be generous with those around them and with temple to present their gifts to the Lord. That was one of the overlays. Now you could think of this crassly. Let's see, I'm supplicating myself, I'm repenting of all known sin, I'm bribing the Lord with special gifts. Uh, We could look at it in those kinds of terms. But I want you to pay attention to this one feature of what I just read of Yom Kippur next weekend. It is a day of non-action. It is a day of no feasting. And it is set up this way because it is God who atones It is God who cleanses. It is God who forgives. It is God who judges. It is God who saves. And it is God who will determine where your name is written. Not you. Isn't that wonderful? You can't earn it. You can only act with integrity. You have shown him, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That is the meaning of true religion. And that is one of the meanings of these days of awe. If you turn, and I won't belabor this because this is a good quitting point, but if you turn, you can also read this story in variation in Numbers 29. At least in the NIV Bible there in verse 1, it has the Feast of Trumpets and then the Day of Atonement. But the Feast of Trumpets section is a little expanded here, Rosh Hashanah, and I'm going to uh, talk about that or read that. On the first day of the week of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. It is a day for you to sound the shofar. As an aroma pleasing to the Lord, prepare a burnt offering of one young bull one ram, and seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bull, prepare a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil. With the ram, two-tenths, and with each of the seven lambs, one-tenth. Include one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. These are in addition to the monthly and daily burnt offerings with their grain offerings and drink offerings as specified. 
They are offerings made to the Lord by fire, a pleasing aroma. I'm always amazed at how specific the instructions are. Right down to the measure of grain. This is the sacrifice that will be made. This is the meal that will be eaten. This is the reminder that will be given. This will be the aroma that passes before the Lord. This will be a day of beginnings. O King Eternal, O you whose sacrifice has been once for all, O Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, we would follow and we would rejoice in your Lordship for you are king. Give grace to us, your people, as we enter these days of awe, as we reflect on your goodness and your power and your might, and as we make things right between ourselves and you. Bless us in this time of introspection. In Jesus' name.